to Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you will be blessed by this message from Senior Leader Marty Manuel. Well, hopefully you're all doing well. Um, we had a good week this week. We, we um, went and heard Roland Baker sharing on, on Wednesday to a group of pastors and and then uh, Friday, we went and heard Brian Simmons. We had Brian Simmons here about three or four years ago. Some of you may remember him. And um, yeah, so just a great week of hearing what God's doing around the world and just seeing, seeing what he's saying, I suppose, uh, and being encouraged. But, um, you know, one of the things that was interesting um, that I really, uh, I suppose, appreciate more now than ever is uh, last week I shared on peace, right? And today I'm going to continue a little bit on that theme, but it was interesting because I, I met up with a lot of different pastors from a lot of different churches, and of course the first thing you say is, oh, how's everything going? And, and, and you know, I just couldn't help but say, actually, it's really good. It's really peaceful. You know, it's really good. And, um, and they sort of look at you and go, wow, that's an interesting response. But, you know, I think when you've done this for a few years and most pastors know what I'm talking about, you know, when, when you say that to them and they're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, really, that's a good place. That's a good place. But it's like that for ourselves individually, isn't it? That unless we carry peace, we actually, everything we do has a little bit of, uh, a little bit of agitation attached to it, a little bit of frustration attached to it. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today. I've called it unity and confidence. And the reason I called it unity and confidence is because this really flows out of being a person who carries peace. So try and piece the two together, literally. Uh, put them together because what I want to share on today flows from last week. I want to start in Psalm 133. So if you, I'll give you a minute to turn there. Psalm 133. I've just had a wrong version flick up in front of me, so I'm going to need another minute or two. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forever. We often hear the phrase, um, unity commands a blessing. And that's where this comes from, this passage here. And there's more to it than uh, the simplistic phrase, um, unity commands a blessing. But the idea of that phrase comes from this, whereby if we live in unity with one another, there is blessing that flows on what we do. And so that's the theme of what um, is being talked about here. And I want to set the scene on everything I say today on this basis that we've, Karen and I in particular, have, have known um, seasons of our life of operating and doing things, and particularly for me, say, in business or making decisions 
I've known what it's like for a number of years to make those decisions on my own and, and convince her in with, it, with me. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, we're going to do this. And, hey, it's an amazing idea, you know, it's, you know and really put the cell out there. And, and so it's one way of operating where, you, in the end, you might get to the place of unity, but it's not operating in a spirit of unity. And that's really the difference. And this is, this is the beautiful thing that I think Jesus wants with his body is he actually wants a spirit of unity flowing through us, which transforms everything. See, we can have unity by gathering in a church and singing the same songs and doing the same routine. And it, it not, isn't necessarily unity. Unity is one of heart, isn't it? It's one where we actually operate together, where we actually function together, where we worship together, where we actually we, we, we live in a, a spirit of blessing toward one another. And I think that's what this psalm is talking about, is how good and pleasant it is. The Lord loves it. It pleases him. It pleases him like a, a, a priest's worship, so to speak, when we actually function and live and worship together in a spirit of unity. And so I think this is a really big deal because the enemy, one of his main tactics to bring down the church and, and, and try and reduce the effectiveness of the body of Christ is to bring division. Division is the opposite to unity. And so the enemy knows that the weapons of his warfare are pretty easy to see. As soon as in a church starts succeeding and maybe growing, seeing salvations and good things are happening, hey, these guys have had peace for a little bit too long now. I'm just going to throw in, you know, someone who's a gossip or I'm going to throw in someone who's a little bit manipulative or negative and just see what happens to that, that body. Can they handle it? Are they mature enough to just sort of love them but just silence them? Or, or does it take sway in a body and does it have influence in a body and then does it bring division? Because the enemy loves division. If he can divide, he can conquer. And so it's one of those things that we've got to be on guard about is keeping unity, keeping unity. And of course, keeping unity in a setting like this, in a church family, but also keeping unity with the wider body. It's one of those things that, I mean, I like to think things through. And that's why it's great for us to spend time with other pastors. Like this week, we had two opportunities with you know, a lot of other church leaders and pastors and things. And it, it's great. And we all have a little bit of different flavor and a different look. You know, uh, it's just the way we are. We, you know, from where we come from, we, we dress a bit different or whatever. But ultimately... When we gather together, we have a spirit of unity. And we've learned that as the years go on, the more we operate in unity toward one another in, the broad, in this body, but in the broader body, it does command a blessing. And we're finding now that we're, we're, we've got lots of people that we can interact with. And uh, I mean, we were just around the corner at Impact Church just, just on Friday. And I mean, it, it would be you know, a stone's throw from here. Uh, and yet they're beautiful people. Uh, Martin and Carrie Ann, the pastors, a beautiful couple, and we were able to just get to know them a little bit more. And, you know, we, we have a plethora of good churches in this region. Do you know that? We have a plethora of them. We don't need to worry about where's someone going, where's someone not going, oh, this is happening there or this isn't happening there. Hey, this is, whatever this is, happens everywhere. 
Happens everywhere. There's, there's, you know, there tends to be a little drama somewhere at some time where people focus on, and that's good because it takes away the notice on our drama, and so we can focus on their drama. And it's a real orphan tactic that we, we've brought ourselves up in. It's like, orphan, please look at them. They're doing worse off than we are. But ultimately, that's not living in peace. It's not living in unity. And what we sow, we reap. And so we really try and activate this in a, in a broader sense here, but also broader is others, even if they do things a little bit differently, even if, you know, there might be a few fluffy things said from time to time. It's like, no, we want to sow blessing. We want to sow blessing. And so, and it, it does take some effort and some discipline sometimes, because I might hear something curly from the stage and go, you know, but ultimately I, I then choose unity. I choose unity. And I choose to sow unity. And so we have a choice. All of us have a choice. There's so much power in this room to transform lives. There's so much power in this room to transform lives. A lot of it is determined by our decisions. Our decisions. How will we operate in Christ? How will we operate in the kingdom? How will we operate in the body? How will we bless? Will we operate in unity? Will we operate in a positive spirit? Will we give honor where honor's due. Will we operate in that in every area of our lives? I'm telling you, it transforms things. It transforms us. Even if you've grown up, maybe in a family setting where it wasn't particularly positive, and you know, maybe you had a whole lot of. Um, okay, tread carefully. Um, maybe you had a whole lot of, I don't know, stuff going on at home. Um, maybe it wasn't necessarily positive and so you grew up with a whole lot of uh, maybe a negative atmosphere and so you can, can easily flow in the negative and sarcasm or whatever. I, I'm good at sarcasm so I get that one. Um, but it's not always positive, is it? And so um, it's, it, it's sometimes something when we actually want to reap blessing unless we begin sowing it and actively sowing it. Really actively sowing it. And I mean even when you don't want to. Even when you've got reason not to. Don't you hate that when intellectually you actually have a reason to be annoyed at someone? You are fully justified in your annoyance. You might be fully justified in your unforgiveness. You might be fully justified in your offense. But it will not command a blessing. It will not command a blessing. And I'm not saying we have to let everyone do everything they want to us and tread all over us and abuse us and all that sort of stuff. No, there's a posture of honor where we can still have a safe posture toward one another in relationships. We don't have to let people manipulate us or anything like that. We operate in truth with one another. But we have a spirit which says, even though you may operate differently, I'm not going to judge you for that. I'm not going to have an offense toward you. I'm not going to have a critical spirit toward you. And when we do that, it transforms us. We think it's going to transform them, but it actually transforms us. And so there's so much blessing in this. I want to really focus in today on the three areas of unity. The three areas of unity. The first area of unity is with God. If we have unity with God, it's the best posture we can have. And I mean unity with his call, with his voice, what he's asking us to do or not do, because half the time it's don't do this. Um, but when we actually operate in a posture where we are unified with Christ, unified with the voice of the Spirit, with the voice of the Father, we're actually listening to him. We're saying, okay, how, how do I operate in this season? 
How do I operate with this person? Lord, what is my relationship with you? Really letting him gaze in on us. Then we know that we have a unity flowing from him. And if unity then flows to blessing, what better place in our lives to be blessed than in our relationship with him? See, we often, do, we often go for the blessing first before we go for the blesser. And, and often it can be, Lord, I, I, I want a job. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. And I, I need that. And we need this. And there's nothing wrong with praying that. Of course, all of us pray for various things because, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for those things. But then when we have unity with the Spirit of God, when we have unity with Him, it's a whole different dimension. Sometimes we don't even have to ask. Of course, we keep on asking. But out of relationship, the blessing flows. When we have unity with him, what husband and wife, they don't have to generally ask each other everything all the time because out of relationship, you tend to know what each other are needing or wanting. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, pushing 20 years of marriage now, 19 years now. And, you know, I'm just scratching the surface of reading the signs. (laughs) And so some of you who been married a bit longer than me, you know, you, you would know, you know, you would know the signs. It's like, okay, it's time to kick in. And, and sometimes, sometimes that unity of relationship takes effort, doesn't it? It's the same with the Lord. It doesn't always just flow like a fragrance into your bedroom or into your lounge room and just like, oh, I just feel like spending three hours with the Lord right now. No, some, sometimes it can be like that. Other times it's like, no, I have a relationship with him. He's created me, informed me. I am going to take the effort to spend time with him and him spend time with me. And out of that place of unity flows blessing. And so it's, it's posture number one. The second area is with ourselves. I'm not talking about bipolar here. I'm talking about actually living in peace, like I spoke about last week. Living in peace, being a person who operates from peace, is a person who generally operates in unity. And the Bible says that a double man can't expect anything to be answered. He won't get what he's asking for because he's double-minded. And, and that's a picture of... Someone who's, who's one minute's doing this and the next minute doing that and uh, not sure. And of course, it's not trying to bring condemnation of us if we're in a season of working out our journey. That's not what it's talking about. And it's not bringing a heaviness if you're finding yourself, okay, I'm not quite sure. Am I meant to do this degree or I'm meant to study? It's not what it's talking about. But you will know in your inner being if you have peace with yourself. If you actually carry Peace. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. So it could be all the reading, it could be all the striving, it could be all the websites, it could be all the seminars or whatever it might be. But all of that understanding will count for nothing unless we carry peace. Peace of God relates to peace with ourselves. Unity with our own spirit. So we're not at war with ourselves. We're not, we're not still trying to sort of um, make ourselves something we're not or trying to, you know, make things happen that brings an agitation and a frustration. But we're actually carrying a unity of God, a unity with ourselves. 
There's such a blessing on this, and it's not something that came naturally, particularly in business, because, you know, generally you've got to be doing things all the time, and you work long hours, and really you, you look at your results, and that determines your success, and, you know, it's a whole different mechanism to, to monitor your progress on how you're doing in life. But then, um, when Karen went through burnout, and we headed to Germany, um, I think I was more frustrated than she was. She loved it. She was just like, oh, massage me all day long. <laughs> Hot rocks, soats, you know, salt scrubs and you name it. I, she loved it. And, and I did too. But I must admit, after week number one, I'm like, okay, what on earth do I do? I've got to do something. And so the kids, the kids call it military mode. Military mode. Anyone else have military mode? You just go into military mode. Maybe it's a stress mechanism or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a thing that happens. It comes on you. And um, I, you know, it could be OCD. I don't know. I think it's a good thing because it gets things done. <laughs> However, it's not good if you want to keep your peace or keep your peace in your household when you're shoved in a little hotel room all the way in Germany together. And so I had a little daily routine that we went through and um, we had it written out. We had homework time for an hour and then off we went for an hour's marching through the forests, whether it was snowing. <laughs> we were saying the other day, we literally went with it snowing, raining. It's like, come on kids, we're getting out of this place. You know, off we'd go. We'd be back, lunch, and then I'd, you know, I'd be off at the gym because they're all knackered, so I'm like, I've got to go somewhere. So for me, for me, this thing of actually operating in unity with myself and peace has been a big deal. And I think it is for a lot of us in the West because we've got a lot of demands, we've got a lot of things, we've got a lot of um, you know, desires, and we've got a lot of options, let's face it. We've got so many options, we don't even know what to do with ourselves half the time. We're that blessed. But actually keeping peace and actually keeping unity with ourselves is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And so if you suffer from anxiety, have a look at the peace you have within. If you suffer from the busyness, the military mode. If you suffer from having to always do, 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 and that's your level of satisfaction for yourself and for, uh, from other people around you that you draw in, then have a look at the peace that resides within your spirit. When you lay your head down at night, do you have a peaceful thought or do you have peace that rests or, or is there a whole lot of things spiraling? And I know sometimes it can be very hard to, you know, I, I really know what that's like when you've just got those thoughts and thoughts and thoughts spiraling. Then go for peace. At those times, go for peace. Don't try to resolve everything in your own head because the peace of God surpasses all your understanding. Everything that you can think through and try and work out yourself. Go for peace as the priority above the result and above the answer even. And it's, it's a really big deal because then we operate from unity first with God. We're flowing with Him. We're hearing from Him. And then we know what it's like to have peace with ourselves. It's like, okay, I'm actually okay with myself. Sure, there's things I want to do. I might want to lose a couple of kilos. I might want to do a few things. That's fine but I'm carrying a peace at how I'm doing that. I'm not putting a pressure on everyone else and myself to have to hit the, hit the home runs all the time. And then thirdly, a unity with other people. 
And this is, this is the big one that I think the enemy really um, gets us down because the transforming power of Jesus wants to work through God, through us, to other people. So it's like that process of transformation actually takes place in the body, doesn't it? With all of us, in the people we relate to, the people we talk to, the people we pray for, the people we come in contact with. The transforming process of Jesus, if we carry him and then we carry peace with ourselves, we actually begin to give it away to others. And so then when other people spend time with us or when we're talking to them, it's like, wow, that was a good one minute I spent with that person. I feel better. I feel the peace from that person. Um, and you'll feel it around various people. They just, they just carry a good spirit. I was on the plane the other week coming back from Sydney and um, I was sitting next to a guy and he was like maybe late 50s or something like that. And, and we got talking and um, he told me a bit of his story and he'd actually lost two wives and to the same disease. And, um, and I'm chatting away and he's, he's telling me about his kids. He's telling me about they've got a farm in Mount Barker and he's telling me this story. and He's talking about the grandkids and, you know, he's, he's saying, oh, yeah, I do business, I do this. And so we're, we're sharing like this talk. And at the end I said, seriously, how do you carry such a positive spirit after all you've been through? And he said, well, what other choice do I have? And, and I thought, wow, that's phenomenal. Like this dude should be preaching this Sunday. Because he carries more peace than most Christians. And yet we have the Prince of Peace living inside of us. But sometimes we forget this. We forget that the Prince of Peace resides in me. If you're not in peace right now, if you're not in unity with yourself or other people, then go to the Prince of Peace. Go to his feet. Ask him for his peace. Ask him for his fresh revelation, maybe from his word, maybe from worship, maybe from other people or whatever it might be. Find peace with him and you will find peace with yourself and other people because it's, it's such a key to victorious living. I was talking to someone in the last few weeks and and um, actually, I've noticed this to be quite a, a phenomena. When Christian, and I'll talk to married couples for a minute because I think it's relevant, but it's also relevant in close relationships with unmarried people as well. But, um, but if you take a married couple, for example, you're one flesh. But if that one flesh doesn't agree on things but still operates in things, of course there's not a blessing. Like it's like, duh. Of course you're not being blessed financially. You don't even do things together financially. You don't even make decisions financially. You don't pray together over your finance. You don't operate out of a spirit of unity. So there's division. Division will kill the vision. And so, of course, there's not a blessing. It's like, wake up. There's no blessing on disunity, and even more so when you're married because you're one flesh, and then you're warring against yourself. So you actually, that's when you have an unrest in your spirits, because like, I know I'm not even operating in unity with myself, my own flesh right now, therefore there's, there's no blessing. So you're better off just cut your losses, get, get to the altar quickly, and get to unity. And Karen and I have to still do this, you know. We're nearly perfect, but every now and then we have to go there. <laughs> I'm glad you laugh because you, you, you know me that well that you really know that is a joke. 
Some new people thought that we were nearly perfect though, you know. <laughs> Don't pop the bubble for them. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's so much blessing. on it. We've really noticed this in the last three or four years of, of our life. And um, I don't know what Karen's saying to Natalia right now. It could be anything. <laughs> it, you have a free reign to come and share if you want to sort of release something. <laughs> Back me up here. There's so much blessing on unity. If, if, you're struggling, if, if you're a married couple and you're struggling financially, have a look at your unity. If you're struggling with anxiety, have a look at your unity. If you're struggling in any area, because marriage is such a covenant of supernatural creativity where we actually become one, then we have to be aware of the power of that unity. It is incredible. It's incredible. And actually, the, power, the transforming life of Jesus Christ is made evident through the one flesh, through the body, through marriage. And it's a prophetic symbol, it's a prophetic sign of what is to come. The great marriage of the groom and his church. It's just one of those little symbolisms, those little prophetic symbolisms. God's dabbled them all throughout creation. I know dabble's a witchcraft word. He's, he's just put them all throughout you know, creation, hasn't he? But, but if you think about it, we can see his, his spirit is one of unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Son did not do anything that he didn't see the Father doing or hear the Father doing, saying. And so it's critical that we get this thing right. Now, the reason I'm focusing on this so much is because it's such an important key for success in the Christian walk. Like I said last week or a couple of weeks ago that, you know, it, it tends to be a mindset, I think, that once we get saved and we think that, you know, we're a few years in, that everything should be rosy. We should have worked everything out, but it's just not the, not the case. It's the transforming life of Jesus Christ trying to renew our minds and transform us, make us like him. It's this process of living out the life of Christ within, warring against ourselves sometimes. The old man tried to pop up, we cut off his head, he comes alive again and we're just killing him off. And, you know, this is the journey, isn't it? And so unity, gaining unity is to gain authority. And that's what I want to finish with today. Hebrews chapter 10, 35. This is one of those passages that Karen put up on our wall and the cleaner thought the wall's name was Hebrews because she had these, all these names on the wall. And um, Hebrews chapter 10, 35 says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. There's so much in this verse. But if you are questioning your walk right now, if you're questioning, can I do the journey? Can I go the distance? What am I even doing here anyway? Then meditate on this verse. Do not throw away your confidence. Do not let your confidence in Christ waver. It's a time to go even deeper. Go even further. Put worship music on at home even louder. <laughs> you know, until the neighbors complain or whatever, but go that next layer. Like, put radical faith into action now. Because, like Abraham, he hoped against hope. So, he actually hoped, he put his money on a horse that had no hope. But it won. Relevant in the last week or two, isn't it? No, I do not put money on horses. 
I put it on footy. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer that anymore. I'm just going to let you stew for the whole rest of the service. <laughs> uh, well, the Bible says be generous, hey? You know? <laughs> Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. We have an incredible reward waiting for us in heaven. Now, sometimes it's very easy to take these verses and make it really relevant to right now. But it's, it's like a, a pin in a haystack. Needle in a haystack, the saying is, isn't it? Not a pin. I hate getting sayings wrong. It loses the momentum. But it's, it's actually true for now. But just like a whole lot of scripture, it's true for now and for then. And it's like a whole lot of prophetic nature of scripture. You'll read things in Psalms and, and it will be prophetic for the now, but it'll also be prophetic about the Christ. And so there's this prophetic spirit that flows through scripture that we can take for now and for then. And so, therefore, do not throw away confidence, which has a great reward. If we are confident in him and our unity with him, then we have a great reward. And I believe we have a reward now. Just like Abraham, he saw the fruit now, and I'm sure he's seeing the fruit now as well. He saw the fruit immediately, well, not immediately, but within 40 years. Um, and, then, and then now he's in heaven seeing the great reward, the great reward. Roland Baker shared this week, and, and you know, once he got through a whole lot of issues that he talks about, tends to share on, then he shared on Job. And he said how much of the church forgets about the, 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 the theology of Job but loves the theology of Jesus or the New Testament but forgets about the trials. And therefore, when we go through trials, sometimes we get confused. Oh, this is not the victorious life. This is not, you know, and, and this is what we have a lot of in modern Christianity. There's nothing wrong with it. I love it. When we were down and out and I was losing the business, Joel Osteen was my anchor. I'm telling you. Now, of course, he looks different than I do. I'll probably look like Joel in five years as well. I'll get some work done and whatever else, you know. I don't mind. But there was something of his positive spirit that I needed. And so I took it every night, 7 p.m. on Daystar. I remember it very well. And Karen remembers at times, like, Joel's on now. And he's the guy I've been judging for like a decade for having white teeth whiter than whatever, you know. And Anyway, so you, you never know what God's going to use to absolutely blow you away and bring you out of the pit. Sometimes he uses the very person or the very thing you've been judging for a decade, like me. And that, isn't that just the humor of God? The humor of God? Anyway, I could keep going down a very slippery slope, but I won't. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance. For you have need of endurance. This human life can get tough. It can get rough. It can get confusing. It can get annoying. And it, it can really seem like it's easier to not be born again sometimes. Anyone else had that feeling? It's like, well, they have all the fun and everything's going fine for them. Here I am living this prissy good life, giving all my money away, not having any fun. And everything's going fine for them. You might be thinking, have I just, what's happened this week? <laughs> What's the time? All right. See, one thing I have learned about preaching is if, if, is if you're just losing it, 
just finish it. <laughs> you, you can't go wrong. Just shut the show down. <laughs> if you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Now, I believe this is twofold. This is promised now and promised in eternity. I actually believe it's applicable to the now and to the then. Because the Bible brings hope for the now and for the then, doesn't it? It draws out something in us that we do not have inherently in ourselves. It puts a currency inside of us that we do not have otherwise. And that's why when we read it, it's like living water to our spirits because it's words of life. And we know the authority of Scripture. And when he says... For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what has promised. You will receive what has promised. I believe one of the great keys to receiving what is promised is having unity with God, unity with yourself, and unity with others. If we don't have unity in those three areas, I believe that we put a ceiling over ourselves. We put a stifling point over the victorious breakthrough, and then maybe it's a whole other season we have to face. Maybe it's a whole other journey we have to build relationship again or we have to do whatever or if it's husband and wife it's like man we're going to go through this same motion again you know it's it's incredible and you know I've learned this this week a little more I'll share with you the power of an apology is amazing isn't it Karen <laughs> the power of an apology is incredible try it I know a lot of you are really good at it I, I, for some reason, was fairly thick when I was growing up. It, it wasn't a natural thing for me to apologize. I don't know whether I was so full of myself or, or what it was, but I just didn't. So Karen's taught me. It's taken her 19 years to teach me how to apologize properly. But some of us blokes can be like that. It, it takes us a while. It's like, really? Is that really going to make a difference? My goodness, I'm telling you, it makes a difference. <laughs> But not just, not just in marriages, it makes a difference with other people. If you have things that are unsettled in your spirit and you just know deep down there's, there's something that, you know, sometimes you can't do anything about it. It's, it. You just need to dust your feet off and get out of there, right? And, and that happens. That happens in life. It happens in family situations and you'll know the point. But if there's something that you know you have particularly done to another person where you could possibly bring peace and unity, then I encourage you to do it. We try and do this in every area we can. It hasn't always been possible. But wherever we can, then we try and do it. And then it commands a blessing. If for nothing else, do it for your own peace. Do it for your own peace. Because when we have peace, we can have unity. When we have unity, we can have confidence. One of the... the great things about sport is you see the power of unity and a team can be absolutely down I'm not talking relevantly about the ash the the cricket right now okay sorry Hugh I'm not going to give South Africa a plug uh, <laughs> but it's phenomenal what can happen with exactly the same group of people in any game exactly the same group of people for half an hour they can be getting absolutely wiped and then something will happen. Someone will do something that just breaks the, breaks the mold, kick a goal or shoot a goal or whatever sport it might be. And all of a sudden, the spirit changes, doesn't it? The spirit of the team changes. And all of a sudden, the whole team lifts. 
That's the same transforming power of Jesus Christ that every single one of us carries. The ability to change the atmosphere. The ability to bring unity. The ability to bring Jesus Christ alive in every single other person. And so if someone's going through something, it's like, okay, how do we get through this? How do we find the peace in this situation? How do we find God's answer? And all of a sudden, it transforms something that was confusing into something that's very straight. And I, I really enjoy this because it's almost the easier way. It's almost the easier way. I think that there's, there's a whole lot to be said for praying and impartation, and, and we love it and we'll go for it. And, you know, next weekend we'll have that with, with Duncan and Kate and... Um, and we love that. But there's a whole nother realm where if we will learn that transforming power of unity and peace inside and release to others, it's a whole nother ballgame. It's a whole nother ballgame. And when we carry that, when we operate in that, it's like we are the living water. We become, you know, like... Very, very tiny little Christs. <laughs> Don't want to make us out to be too big, but, you know, little ones carrying the kingdom, carrying that life, carrying that living water, speaking it, believing it. Many of you have faced trials and some, you know, a lot greater than we have. And you'll know that at those times when you're faced with that, that biggest situation, that little bit of faith that you had was enough. He'll give you what you need. If you're facing situations right now, endure because you'll get a reward. Don't throw away your confidence because you will be richly rewarded. And what a blessing that word is. What an encouragement that is. And even when everything's going okay, this word's still an encouragement because we go, okay, Lord, you've blessed us. You've given us so much. Now, let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can do out of a posture of unity, out of a posture of peace. And then when we flow in unity as the body of Christ, it's like a team rising up with a new spirit, a fresh spirit, a spirit of Christ, a spirit of victory, a spirit of overcoming. And then we actually take ground in a community. Then we take ground in a region because we're operating in a spirit of unity. And it commands a blessing. So that's what I want to pray over us today. So why don't you stand with me? Thanks, guys. I want us just to grab hands. And um, I just want to pray in that spirit of unity for us, with us, and um, over us today. And if, if you're feeling like there's some things you need to just give to him to bring that unity, then you begin to do that now. Just give them to him. Whatever it is, whatever he's rising in your spirit, just begin to lay it at the cross. Lay it at his feet. He wants to take every trouble. He wants to take every trial. He wants to take depression. He wants to take anxiety. He wants to take stresses. But sometimes we need to search out the Prince of Peace. Search him out today. Search him out over your situation, over your work, over your business, over your marriage, your relationships, over the study, the exams coming up, the, the decisions that you've got to make in the coming weeks and months, over finances, over your kids, over your grandkids, over every situation. Choose the Prince of Peace, not your understanding. Choose him. Place him there. 
So, Lord, we just stand in unity as a little portion of the body of Christ this morning. And we thank you for your word, which brings truth and life. And, Lord, we choose your unity. We ask that you would release blessing on every single home represented here today. I ask that the peace of God would rest upon us. Lord, that we would sort out any issues in marriages. Lord, we'd choose peace. We'd choose forgiveness. We would choose unity. Lord, I pray for incredible um, redemptive nature of your being to come into our relationships. Lord, that you would bring incredible harmony and blessing. And Lord, that you would release confident favor, confident favor in your reward now and then. Lord, I pray for a release, even even a, a, a relieving of any restrictions in areas for us today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I release blessing. I release blessing. I release unity of heart. Lord, I pray over every marriage that you would release such an incredible strength and life and unity that nothing the enemy could throw at us would be able to get in between because there would be a blessing upon us, a blessing upon us that you would guard marriages, guard homes, guard children and close relationships that we have. We speak blessing. And Lord, even today, We as a Harvest Church family, we sow blessing to other churches in our region. We sow blessing to them. We ask that you would prosper them, that you would bless them, bless their pastors, give them Rolls Royces. (laughs) Give them so much blessing, Lord Jesus. Do you know pastors need Rolls Royces? I mean, I'm telling you. (laughs) Ah, Thank you, Jesus. Just to begin to receive from him right now, I think he just wants to refresh some of us, you know, with a, with a fresh spirit of refreshing, transforming power, the life of Jesus. Just begin to receive. You can drop your hands or raise your hands, whatever you want to do. But just let's spend a minute just finishing on that note, just receiving from him, directly from him, directly from him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we receive your blessing. We receive your blessing. We want to be unified with you. We want to be unified with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.